UX Podcast Episode 165. I'm James Roy Lawson. I'm Pat Axbom. And this is UX Podcast, balancing business, technology, and people every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. With listeners in 171 countries around the world, from South Korea to the USA. And today we have for you uh, an interview with award-winning documentary filmmaker, author of the Rosenfeld Media book, The User's Journey, Story Mapping Products That People Love. Uh, she's a consultant, speaker, writer. She runs the popular workshop where she utilizes a story-first approach to help teams define value proposition, transform their thinking, and better engage with their core customers. Uh, Donna Litshaw. Yeah, and we talked to Donna about a year ago um, in episode 140, um, around the time that her book was published. Um, but today, we're going to go back to the beginning with mapping stories for Enterprise UX. This is where it all began for Donna. And... We talked to her at um, From Business to Buttons here in Stockholm a few months ago. Yesterday I got asked by um, someone in my team, one of the projects I work on, um, who are you looking forward to most tomorrow from Business to Buttons? And um, one of the answers I gave was, well, I'm looking forward to, to, to meeting and, and in person Donna and listening to her do a talk and see how that compares to the interview we've done and the, and the, and the book, which I've, I've read most of it. Um, <laughs> and it's thrown back at me saying, well, you know, story, you know, story mapping, storytelling, you know, how, how is that applicable or useful for us? Because, you know, we're working with Enterprise UX on this project. The hero, our user, isn't the customer. And I kind of, like, that's a really good question, I said. <laughs> and I went on to list some more people I was interested in. <laughs> and now you're forwarding that question to Donna. So now I'm passing the book <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah. it was a good question. It's a, it's a great question. And um, it, it's, so that question specifically is perfect because it, it is um, how I started developing this concept of mapping stories for, for products. Um, I was uh, several years ago working on an enterprise product and um, what I found is that there were, in that case, there was the buyer and there was the end user. And um, both had to have a compelling story arc to the experience because the buyer um, is the one who had the story where they came through Google or word of mouth and then they found it and they had to go to the website and there had to be a strong call to action that told them why they were going to be heroes if they bought this um, service in this case and um, but then the climax of their story wasn't when they purchased it uh, that might have been the climax for the first episode but the climax to their story w rested in the success of the end users using this enterprise software and service and so that buyer needed to know that their employees that they were buying it for were going to be successful and so it, it was almost a story that was out of their hands, but they needed to feel secure. And so what we did was we mapped stories for the buyer. So that's where we figured out things like um, search engine optimization. How are they going to find us and how are they going to come through the door? Mm. Then we also um, we 
we mapped out stories for the the end user, the employees who were using this service. And what we found is that we needed to ultimately build this product. It was a product and a, and a service kind of wrapped up in one. We ultimately needed to build it with a solid story structure for the end user so that they would keep using it over time. Cause the They'd first want version to come in, they want to turn up for the job every day. Exactly. <laughs> so this was a... Um, it was uh, an educational, an online tra training platform right. for um, uh, for employees. And so, with online training, if they're not using it, then the buyer says, "Oh, screw this! We're mm. paying too much money, and we're canceling it, or we're going to go with a competitor that's cheaper." And so, um, there. The stories interplayed with one another, if you can imagine. So the end user, we had many stories of how they were going to use the product. And um, uh, we had to keep them engaged. And um, so there are ways that we quantified engagement for employees. But then the buyer needed a dashboard where yeah. they had to see employee engagement. And so mm. they had their own story where, you know, the first episode was they, um, actually, we thought it was they gave us uh, their credit card. We found it a giant cliffhanger, which is when we tried to take credit cards online, these buyers were spending way too much money to put their credit card down. So we ended up, their first episode was they um, they make, made a phone call. Yeah. Went to a website yeah. and then they were like, no, I'm not giving you my money. Ah. They called a sales rep and then the store, the sales rep yeah. continued the story. So not mm. even an interface. Mm. So, But then future episodes, mm. you know, they, they log in, they have a dashboard, they see that their employees are engaged. And... Um, and this was something that had many iterations, so we, you know, we made sure that we adapted it mm. over time. Probably took, in the end, a year to really refine it so that it was um, uh, as successful. Because what we found is maybe after three months, the buyer would call us and say, "Hey, so people aren't using it anymore. How, you know, how do we get people yeah. to use it?" So, um, yeah, I think it's completely applicable. So you need to in figure out what concept. performance indicators are in the dashboard as well, I guess. Yeah. For them to feel confident that something is happening. Exactly. So if it was um, uh, like this was a video training platform, so the um, you know we had to talk to buyers, find out what mattered to them. What mm. mattered was was it length of time that you watched these videos, or was it how many videos mm, you watched, exactly. or was it what you learned? Mm. And you know, in the end, it was all the above. So we mm. had to have different ways to kind of expose the story from the end user to the buyer. Yeah. So that they all felt like heroes. Mm. So. Yeah, because you've got, you've got the buyers mm. and you've got the, the, the end users. But in this now example you've just given there, you had like search engine optimization or, or that kind of marketing sort of thing. What about the, would you do stories or what about the situation where you had like a sales team or, you know, your product wasn't one you find in search engines. I mean, it's, it's proper big, you know, SAP enterprise stuff where the co point of contact is when, you know, some sales crew goes to meet someone and books in time. You know, is there is that what we need to look at for stories and build them there as well? Yes, you absolutely need to look for stories and build them. And the great thing about sales team is they might have already had a storytelling training in their past. Sales people have been onto this for years. Sales and um, uh, like people who work in um, de development for nonprofits, the, the people who ask for money, basically, they have a long history of training in storytelling. And what they know is that. It, um, when they tell stories to people on the other end, the stories grab them in and they're more likely to close a sale and that kind of a thing. Right. So when you tell a sales team, hey, did you know that you don't only have to s tell a story, but 
you're a part of a story and you show them the whole journey and mm -hmm. you show them, hey, someone came from Google, they went to the website, they saw that they could pay via credit card and then there was a cliffhanger. So now they're going to call you and you're at this point in the plot and you are the climax of this episode. You mm. are gonna make this buyer feel heroic. So then you start role playing with them and figure out how do you get the buyer over the hurdle. This is a, this is a yeah. three dimensional three dimensional so story mapping, isn't it? That's why I have it? this tattoo. I wish your listeners could see it. We'll have <laughs> we to take a picture, picture of it. Yeah. But that's I mean I'm, that's why I'm trying to figure out how to. Um, yeah. uh, the the next project I'm working on I'm actually working on right now is developing this for um, not just enterprise concept uh, context but also for internal context mm. because mm. the the number one thing people come back to me after they start mapping stories out on their own projects is people come back to me and say. Not just, oh, my product is successful or we launched an amazing service, I'm so happy. They say, I'm a hero. Mm. I look really good to my, <laughs> my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> they listen to me. <laughs> um, yeah. We work more effectively and efficiently and fast. And um, um, people, people like me. So <laughs> like I'm trying to also figure out internally mm. how to um, illustrate this in a way that you could go back to work and think, how do I make my boss a hero? Because that's ultimately mm. what you're also doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's many levels, right? It's, well, it sounds it's like inter interconnecting just yeah. the whole the whole three dimensional aspect that you know that's the story for the sales bit interlinks at a certain chapter epi episodes to the the buyers, but their story interlinks at certain cha chapters mm. and episodes to the people using it, and then and actually we've got stories as well because we're designers and we need mm. to feel happy about it. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it does sound like it, it's an excellent way of building employee loyalty and satisfaction because that sounds like they got excited. Look, I'm part of this story. I can be an actor here, and I can make. I can. I can like. Uh, what do you say? Um, it's it's my choice uh, to see what happens, to be a part of this, and and engage other people the way I want them to. It's it's fantastic. You're like an actor in a movie. It's it's huge. It's yeah. huge. And what's great about it too is it. Um, there's a lot of tension often between, um, so between a few parties, between sales and product or sales and design um, or sales and engineering. So sales and the creative people often have a lot mm. of tension because oftentimes in an enterprise context, um, sales sells a product or a feature. Oftentimes it doesn't exist. And then they come back to the product team, whoever that is, and they say, now we needed this. And the product team is frustrated because they're, you know, they're like, what? what? That's stupid. We don't yeah. want that. Not only that, it's one client who wants this, but what about all of our other you know, thousands of clients? And so um, there's that tension there. And then there's also the, um, the separate one, uh, marketing, mm -hmm. for example. So this affects marketing, and marketing and product often has a tension where marketing says, you know, we're bringing people in, but then you won't convert them. <laughs> Like, give them a product that they actually want to use. And so when you can get sales, marketing, engineering, design, product um, to collaborate as much as possible and the, you get them to see that they each have a part in building a story for the end user, the customer, the buyer, whoever that is, um, it, it empowers people and it makes them feel like they're building their business mm together and that they have a purpose pretty neat no, it is absolutely a, in the times we've had conversations with people about that that pressure point or that conflict point between sales or marketing and 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 ux and you're trying to do the right thing the right way um starting with research and you know the the whole process that we're familiar with and sales go no but no i don't really care i just need to have it 
flashy and blinging yeah. and really kind of good <laughs> so I can stand there and deliver my story so that people sign on the dotted line. Then we can worry about how we implement it. Yeah. Um, and that, that is dishearten- feels disheartening from a design mm. point of view. It, it feels like it's the wrong order, but it, actually it's not the wrong order. It, I know, I know. And it, it's, it's funny because the, the, the number one pain point I hear from people who work in design organizations is, why don't people listen to us? Like, we yeah. know how to do this. We have this process that we know works because when we've done it, it works. And we've built successful businesses by having this user-centered approach. And why won't people listen to us and let us do our thing? And I think there's a lot of, f- there's, there's fear, you know? And when you think about a story, the hero in a story, r- there are very few, I'll say movies, for example, there are very few movies where a hero in a story starts off the journey wanting to be a hero. Like I can think of one movie, um, uh, oh, what was it? It was in the 80s, that football movie, Lu- Lucas? No. Um, man, this kid wants to be this football hero, right? right. And so, and, and that's, um, uh, mm. that's what they, they do. Or like, uh, what was it, Breaking, the biking movie, sports movies often, right? They want okay. to yeah. be something. Yeah. But um, typically, and this goes back like to Aristotle talked about this thousands of years ago. Typically, um, a hero is um, they have an extrinsic motivation. A story begins and then uh, something happens and changes in their world and they are forced to go on a journey. And so um, people at work, like your boss, your, your executive team, your engineers, designers, product managers, sales, marketing, everybody, they're kind of the same. Like no one, like we're all resistant and, and bodies at rest to begin with. And sometimes you just need to grab people and put them on a journey of what will be their story. And so, um, yeah, this place kind of <laughs> goes on many levels yeah. here. And, uh, yeah, not, rem- not realizing that some of the actors in your, your story are internal people, that the, the salespeople or marketing people are also actors in your story. Yeah, empower sales and marketing and engineers, it makes your job so much easier. It sounds like it's hugely powerful internally then. Also, now that we're saying there, there is so much power in this and we're getting so excited about it as well, that's sort of, wait a minute, so with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> is there a dark side to this? I mean, stories can be used to persuade people. Whenever I think about the, the power of storytelling, I, I think about Steve Jobs. He was a master storyteller. I think um, at first he might not have explicitly realized what he was doing, but eventually he um, like he built Pixar as uh, the company that they mm. are today. And um, so I think eventually he was actually immersed in Hollywood and kn- knew what he was doing. Yeah. And um, the downside to being a master storyteller in an internal context um, at work is... Um, it can be manipulative. Mm. You know, he was also a master manipulator and he would get people to work, you know, like s- slaves and people got divorced working on projects mm. and like, you know, the health problems and like, it would be absolutely insane. So, um, you know, the downside is it can be a very powerful tool to get troops rallied internally. But, um, you know, I think you need to use it, um, use it carefully. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you need to be careful of also is, there, so I'm thinking about Uber a lot lately because um, they've, I know a bunch of people were at um, the From Business to Buttons conference today and a bunch of people 
bringing up Uber as an, a, a cautionary tale of when um, an executive builds a business that is built on deceit, yeah. how it trickles down throughout the organization and affects um, not only morale, but, but your customer morale as well. And what, you know, for a while I thought that the problem with Uber might be that they're a company that was not built on a structurally sound story and that maybe that's what was lacking and what wasn't driving them as a business to do good in the world but what occurred to me recently is that they um they have a story and it's a very sound story and it's one that um their their founder um does echo all the time and it's a story it's like it's a war story it's um it's a pretty violent story he his mission is um is to kind of abolish the old ways of getting places it's to kill the taxi companies and and it's very um it's violent i mean that's the best way of putting it and so when a story is positioned in a violent way you could flip that story and say i want to help people get places and they kind of try to do that but the violence is the one that comes out most um when you have that kind of story behind a company um employee morale is problematic i know a lot of friends and colleagues who have refused to take jobs at uber um when when uber tries to hire them um, consultants who don't want to work with them customers who delete their apps and you know get all upset when um the ceo does things that he shouldn't do um so story it's there whether you craft it as a business or not and so the the way i see it is you ideally make sure the story is is a positive one you can't make it up and it shouldn't be fake it has to be real but um it's pretty powerful either way wow uh great power great responsibility yep uh, thank you so much for being with us today, Donna. Uh, excellent. Continuing our chat on that. I got so many new ideas now. I'm excited to try them out. Me too. <laughs> this was fun. So listening to, to Donna again now and reflecting upon the complexity of all these stories intertwined made me think of uh, novels I've read where every other chapter is uh, from a different person's perspective. Uh, so it's the same story, but it's just another person reflecting on the events. And you realize that everybody in their own mind, of course, is the center of attention. Uh, I'm even thinking of user-centered design where you always put the user in the center and, and everything has to re- uh, reflect on that. But, of course, everybody can be in the center uh, in some way, in some part of the story. Uh, you're saying that reminds me of um, uh, Mike Figgis' film from 17 years ago now called Time Code. Um, which um, which I think I, lo- I love the film, for, especially from a cinematography point of view, because it's what what Mike Figgis did in that film. He um, he split the screen into four quadrants um, and filmed um, the story in one take using four cameras, following different characters through their story arc. Now, and occasionally they. Ah. Yeah, and occasionally the you know, more than one quadrant was actually in the same scene as the characters converged and interplayed with each other and then went their separate ways again. Um, and course, what he yeah. did then um, as director, he instead of switching the camera shot, because of course you saw four camera shots at once, he mm. switched the audio from quadrant to quadrant. So, so the narrative was, was, was laid out by the audio track and you had then to, to follow the right, quadrant to to see the visual side of it (laughs) 
<laughs> but but it's an excellent. I think in this context, it's an excellent. Yeah. It's an excellent example. Go out there and and find the film and, and watch it. Um, and it's a good example of how you can how you see the the intertwining or the convergence of different um, heroes in a film. Because um, yeah. Timecode does have several heroes, um, and you know they do come together, which is what we've been talking about. What you're seeing as well with, um, with with well user centric or even hero centered hero centric design, which is what we're talking yeah. about with with Donner and Enterprise UX. That um, um, that the, the marketing department or the sales department or uh, the purchaser of the enterprise system, they they want to feel like heroes too. Um, Exactly, and I'm also thinking from an enterprise perspective, there's always this problem of people, employees, they don't understand really, where do I fit into the big picture of how, what, the, what reaches the end customer? And of course, looking at it from this perspective, you can always tell the story from their perspective uh, and how that fits into the complete experience of the end customer. So, I mean, thinking of a movie, sure, you may be the comic sidekick, but but there wouldn't be a movie without <laughs> you. There's all these characters. You can't. Everybody can't be the protagonist. Mm. There's so many other people, but everybody contributes to the full experience. Yeah, and I think something mm. that I've noticed or felt over the years, especially with talking to other people, that um, some of these um, other groups in um, in enterprise situations you know marketing sales are two of the ones that we've we've brought up a f fair bit now they they get a bad rep they get a they get a lot of bad vibes from designers because you, mm. you you get that um oh you know, can you add this button here or you know there's lots of directives that come from some of these organizations or or the highest paid you know the hippos saying oh, well can we make this blue um and that makes you feel you know downtrodden and crushed as a designer when your your work is getting you know, misunderstood or destroyed by other... Uh, I mean, it, it feels like that a lot of the time. Well, yeah, does, yeah, but uh, what you can... I think if you, whenever you're working with someone, if you, if you assume that they've got some kind of positive intent from their, point, from their mm. perspective, then, you know, they want to be heroes. If we do remember that everyone wants mm. to be a hero, then that helps you as a designer frame your response or the way that you work with them. That if you if you understand that they're they're trying to do good, and that they do want to be a hero, then that sets the, the stage for you to to learn what is it that will make them a hero. What is it that they will? Yeah. You know, so we start mapping out the story. We start understanding what makes them tick. What makes them feel like they've achieved what they were trying to achieve. That's a really good point, and that's what I think they they're doing here. The stories are doing here. They're helping you build empathy yes. for all the other participants. <clears throat> In, in in the in the stage or in the story. yeah and helping you yeah build, build empathy <laughs> and understand where the overlaps yeah. are so you can you can make the most from from um, you can make them into the make everyone into the biggest heroes possible over your entire story mm. arc. Mm. And it's sort it's it's sort of fun also. I mean to think about <laughs> your everyday work life as different episodes of a TV series. Uh, it, it, it sort of makes your, your work more fun. Uh, but I was thinking about it as well from the perspective, okay, so if we look at ourselves as actors, does that mean we're lying? I, I sort of raised the question, are we persuading other people? Of course, there's that risk as well that we're, now I'm playing this part because it's fun, but it may not actually be me. So you also have to be really careful that you, 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 the story is made of what is true and not what you would perhaps want it to be. Uh, in, in a sort of deceitful way. <laughs> mm. well, no, I, I think it's a good, a good analogy, thinking as like being part of producing 
yeah, a, a TV series. Um, <clears throat> or, a, or Actually, a lot of time it feels like we're producing sitcoms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hence the comic sidekick. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I actually dug out, um, Donna mentioned um, Aristotle um, in, the, in, the, in the interview. And, and a, a lot of the story telling concepts come from um, Aristotle or the, the, the classics. Um, and I, I got, I got a quote here I can read, um, from Aristotle talking about poetry, poems mm-hmm. or poetry. Um, as for the story, whether the poet takes it ready-made or constructs it for himself, he should first sketch its general outline and then fill in the episodes and amplify in detail. So, so that was a, that was a general quote about storytelling and story arcs, um, uh, narratives, but um, you know, it's true for enterprise UX as much as it is for um, exactly, any yeah. type of design situation. I love when we realize it all comes together and what we're doing is not all that unique, really. Yeah, that there's so many, so many tools out there in the, in the giant workbox, uh, the toolbox of design that we can, we can pull on. And I have to mention in the show notes, you will be adding that uh, photo you took of uh, Donna's tattoo that she mentioned in the show as well, so that you can see it for yourself. Yes, yeah, she did let us take a photograph of her um, tattoo, um, so you can see it. But for those that can't maybe see, then Donna's tattoo is actually um, a cube with a smaller cube inside it, and then the outer corners between the two cubes are connected. I'm not sure how good my audio descriptive, audio descriptive powers oh, that's are, really but... Good. Um, it's, it's just a visualization of complexity. Yeah, cubes within a cube. Within it made a cube. me think of Doctor Who. I don't know why. All right. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, show notes. Find them on our website, uxpodcast.com. And as UX Podcast, you'll find us pretty much anywhere. Yep, and um, on uxpodcast.com, you can also dip your toes into our back catalogue. There, um, there are 60 shows that are available in our podcast, podcast feed, but there are another 104 on the website. So go in there and have a little listen. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doris. Doris who? Doris locked. That's why I knocked. <laughs>